Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Falcon of the Winter Soldier. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I am Pete. And we are going to be talking about the fourth episode of the series, The Whole World is Watching. And it is true, this is a big show, lots of people watching. The whole world, in fact, has been tuning in for every episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that's what the title is mostly about, is the ratings for the show, which we know, of course, are through the roof. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, that's right. You know, anytime you can hit, just guess about your ratings and throw that in the title. It's a boss move. It's a boss move. <laughs> it's a baller sure. move. Like yeah. a lot of shows are like, whoops, no one watched and we're canceled. Yeah. Episode four. <laughs> that was my favorite show for a really long time. I wish yeah. they had entitled it that because I feel yeah. like more people have watched and they wouldn't have gotten canceled. Yeah. Anytime mm-hmm. you can throw whoops in there at the beginning of anything, you're really <laughs> speaking to the people. It was yeah. actually originally called Whoops, Friends. whoops we're friends i mean that's sort of what it was about kind of they just met they were on a break whoops we're podcasters that's us that's now requisite spoiler warning here if you haven't watched the fourth episode of falcon the winter soldier please go do that because we're going to spoil the heck out of it but first a little pluggy poo over here uh a little pluggy poo we have not vetted that term (laughs) yeah i don't know what just happened I'm just playing around with some stuff. Okay. If you haven't <laughs> checked Alex it out or already, Alex's son who's talking right now. If you haven't checked it out already, we did an interview with Oli Hoskovy, oh, who is the actor who played Dr. Wilfred Nagel on the last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, if you're only subscribed, uh, we roll this out a bunch of different places. We usually roll these out episodes out in the comic book club feed and in the Marvel Vision feed. The Oli Hoskovy episode is exclusive to the Marvel Vision feed. So if you listen on podcast, go check it out over there. It was super fun. And I think we got a lot of uh, interesting information about how it works, particularly for a one scene or slightly more than one scene actor on a Marvel show. I thought it was, it was, it was really cool to talk to him. And after talking to him and then kind of like rewatching his stuff, he's a really good actor. Like what (laughs) he is and then what he became. Wow. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you when I was putting together the thumbnail for the episode and grabbed the still of Dr. Wilford Nagel, I looked at it and there was a brief moment of like, is this is not the guy? Is this the same guy? Does somebody acting. do a weird prank to get us interview somebody as a fake Dr. Wilfred Nagel? Well, but, and honestly, I think a lot of the interview really lets us in on the acting process. Uh, yeah, you were cool. very excited to talk acting with somebody. As a classically trained actor, I've talked to <laughs> YouTube <laughs> you bozos. Were like, you were like, ooh, ooh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I was not woohooing. Yeah, you were uh, like a little boy jumping up and down talking to him. Sure, I was hysterical. jumping up and down a little bit and going yeah. like this. <laughs> I know uh, what you're talking about. Uh, definitely. <laughs> and uh, getting into this episode we're talking about today, our guy was in the previously on, just yeah. dominating. He was. Uh, I was like, that's our best friend right there. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> yeah, friends. 
Oh, Whoops, boy. we're friends. <laughs> nope. So let's talk about this episode. Lots of stuff going on in this one. Interestingly, not a lot of Easter eggs necessarily. You know, we've been no. talking about the Easter uh, eggs, the Easter's Marvel Comics over. references. There were a couple there, but it wasn't the speculation a million thing that we've expected from WandaVision, not even the level of the last couple of episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, though there are a couple of things. Pete, what did you want to call out? What's the I just wanted that to say the Dora it, Milaje were there, that they uh, went to well, Wakanda. That was a good Easter egg. Uh, but don't spoil all the things I want to talk about at once, you fucking <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say Zemo was hiding candy like it was Easter. So come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was yeah, a little Easter egg. Well, there. that yes. actually was the one thing that I felt like was a weird little Easter egg there. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I associate Turkish Delight most with the Chronicles of Dardia, the line of which the wardrobe. Yeah. And I think if you've read the book or you've seen the movie, you know what it is. It's this... It's this candy that he hands there, but it's one of those things that I think everybody that I've ever talked to had the same experience reading Lion, the Witch, of the Wardrobe because you hear about the White Queen gives Turkish delight to this character, Edmund, and tempts him and brings him over to her side. And you hear about it, but they don't describe it. And it's this mysterious thing from childhood of... It's clearly the most delicious candy of all time, but you have no idea what it is. Well, and honestly, because of in reading the book, I imagine it as sort of like a brownie because I Mm -hmm. love brownies. And I feel like it's the kind of thing at that age where it's like, whoa, what would tempt you to go with the bad guy? (laughs) And I was like, well, brownies would. That's for sure. At one point I was like, are we just in a giant ad for Turkish Delight right now? Like this show is like basically hinging on how great Turkish Delight is. So I'll tell you what, it's not great. Yeah, the actual candy <laughs> Turkish Delight, it's like a Jolly Rancher, basically. Yeah. Hey, Jolly works. Ranchers aren't bad. No, it's fine. Not, like, it's you're not, not it's going not evil. Bad. You're not going evil for a <laughs> Jolly Rancher. <laughs> it's not like Baron Zima would take a bunch of Turkish Delights, throw it at me, and I'd be like, all right, I'll tell you literally whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'll invite you to my friend's know, secret funeral. Depending on how hungry I am, I might. Hungry for a Jolly Rancher? That's not a meal. Jolly Rancher is an anti-meal. It makes your mouth taste weird. Wildly off track here, but I have one cavity that I've gotten filled in in my entire life. That was because there was a period of time I had a sack of Jolly Ranchers, and I was like, well, I could just have these instead of brushing. Are you Santa Claus? I got a huge variety pack of Jolly Ranchers. And I was home, and I was instead of brushing my teeth, I was like, I'll just pop a Jolly Rancher. How is that instead of brushing your teeth? I thought you in my head Jolly it was Rancher? like gum or mints, but instead I was having a Jolly Rancher and it just didn't occur to me and I, I got a cavity. You went to Cornell. So. How are you this dumb? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you used to floss with Twizzlers, right? <laughs> yeah. Big smart. gaps in my teeth. <laughs> oh my god wow only one cavity i've had way more cavities and i always blame well, you drank well water i yeah. grew up on well water um yeah. which doesn't have fluoride which strengthens your teeth i just add old dirt in there and now i have <laughs> but last i went to the dentist teeth. i went to the dentist recently because uh, uh, true fans of the show will know that i had a broken tooth that dropped yep. off on this very podcast in like our second episode went to the dentist no cavities oh wow. good for you That's- also no teeth I was on no teeth. I'm out of teeth. Yeah, That's a big are, factor. Yeah. It's just one that big was a, That was a real scary moment for me when I was talking to you and your t- tooth was missing. Mm-hmm. I had to like talk to a bunch of people about it because like, I really questioned my uh, beliefs and, and stuff like that because it was like I've trusted the words that come out of your mouth for years. And then when you had just a tooth missing, I all of a sudden didn't trust who you were or what you were about. It was a real wow. thing. 
who knew the importance of a full set of teeth cannot be overstated. I didn't know I would be page. so shook. Yeah, but then reverse that, Sorry, it. not to get back to Falcon of the Winter oh, right. Soldier or anything, yeah, yeah. but no, actually to revisit the Turkish Delight, uh, I think Baron Zemo is kind of getting, pulling the most focus in this show right now. Who knows if he's going to show up going beyond this because he escapes at the end of the episode, but it's wild to me I how much believe- more he is getting out of these episodes and out of these arcs than even Sam and Bucky are. And well, the and- choices that he's making and like the way he interacts with people, it's so very much on, it's not the Zemo that I know. So it was, it's been very kind of cool to see this other side of Zemo. And the, when he crushed up the serum, I was like, oh shit, look at this guy. Like well, doing the right thing. And I think the, for me, the main reason why Zemo is sort of having the most interest and focus is because he has a plan and we don't know what it is. And the rest of the characters don't have a plan and seem sort of lost. And the the dialogue they have, it's very obvious what they're just like, is this, they're, they're doing a lot of exposition. So it feels like, ah, where's the fun here? And then Zemo is just wandering around being weird with candy and uh, breaking the serum. I'm just going to escape through the bathroom. Well, this gets to a bigger thing. And I really didn't want Pete to yell at me in this episode, but it struck me with this episode in particular that this is going to come out much stronger than I mean it. If this wasn't a Marvel show, I don't think this would be good at this point. Mm. It, It has a chance to turn it around in the last two episodes, but particularly this episode felt very messy to me. There were a lot of things that I liked in individual moments, but just to talk about the arc of the episode, you start off with this great flashback scene of Bucky in Wakanda. Wakanda, getting his, dude. Hold, hold on. Love well, this is scene. exactly getting to the point. You're actually getting to the point of what I'm saying is like, I love it. We get to see him breaking his programming, but the episode isn't about Bucky. So just from a structural perspective, we get this thing that follows up on the scene from the last episode, but Sam pulls a little more focus, which is good, mind you. Zemo pulls a little more focus, which as we talked about is fun, but structurally it's kind of all over the place. There's nothing, like you were saying, Justin, everybody's sort of wandering everywhere. So you get this endorphin rush of, oh shit, we get to see Wakanda of these big fights of John Walker going bad by the end of the episode. And these are all good things from a Marvel fan perspective, but they're not really amounting too much in terms of the show yet. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's sort of what we talked about in the previous episodes where it's like, they're putting so much on the table and we're, it's not about this. And they said it a ton in this episode there, where you don't have black and white, good guys, bad guys here. Um, the, it's all this gray area. What's verbatim said in this episode. And the only issue with that is it makes it much harder to uh, explain the the motivations of everyone because you have to literally go through and be like, well, he's doing this because of this. She's doing this because of this. Yeah. Um, because we don't have the, the classic uh, hero villain um, back and forth. So it, it just makes, in this episode, I think was the hard one because it was the one where we're starting to see our sides and it was confusing here. And you see in the characters, like Bucky and Falcon uh, spent a lot of the episode being like, okay, uh, so, uh, oh, okay, good, good. I'll watch, oh no, he's, okay, good. Uh, okay, now, and then by the end of it, it's like, I see. To talk a little bit about the gray area and the black and white, there was this amazing shot of, from above of Io and uh, Falcon kind of meeting, and it was like this right in the middle of the road, like white stone pebbles versus black stone pebbles. Oh, you really mean Bucky? Am- Bucky. Oh, Bucky, sorry. Bucky's right. the one with the metal arm. Falcon is the one with the wings. Okay, yeah. yeah it's confusing. Right. 
Uh, not that confusing. Anyways, so <laughs> sorry I mixed it up there, but I'm just saying that like that to me, like this whole like line in the ground, like all these different perspectives. And in a superhero movie, you or whatever, like Marvel kind of thing, you don't get to stop and talk about consequences and what it means to be a hero and like these icons and how they can mean more and mean different things to different people. So the fact that like they do have those discussions and Falcon is flexing a little bit of his background of like talking to people who've been through shit was awesome. It was this thing of like, we're not going to just punch people in the face. We're going to try to talk. We're going to try to do the right thing here. The fact that Zemo isn't just this, we want to kill him. We need him. We're doing stuff with him. Like we're trying to do it for a greater good. Like it's interesting. And I don't, don't throw the structural shit around selves. Like this is some interesting shit where unlike an action movie with the move things forward, we can sit and have little moments like this and they're powerful and great. And well, it, I agree. That scene was that for me, it was one of my favorite scenes in the episode. I just want more of that focus back on uh, Bucky and Sam, because you're, like, you're going to get it. We, I, we are going to get it, but that made this episode harder to harder to enjoy because it was them sort of at the mercy of the plot when really like the idea of like Bucky being deprogrammed by IO and that that scene we got was awesome. I want to see oh, a little God. more like repercussions yeah. of that or what that means to him. And Sam, we touched a little bit where he was sort of like trying to philosophize with Carly before he was interrupted by um, Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was cool. And then he had the sister thing felt a little bit out of nowhere, but like they were getting to something there that I think we're going to pay off later. But yeah. it just felt like and this is a term that I know Pete uses a lot. It felt like more of a middling episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> First off, don't put words in my mouth. I've never said that in my life. But I think that, like, I, I can understand what you're saying, but I completely disagree because we had a lot of, like, reveals of who people are moving forward and how things are going to work and some very interesting, powerful conversations that you don't get a lot. So I ate this shit up. And the Dora Milaje showing up and just wrecking shit. And the fact that fake Captain America was like, they weren't even super soldiers was really awesome. <laughs> you yeah. know, like handled his shield that he is temporarily holding on to in a way that he didn't even know how to do. I mean, dismantled, uh, you know, Winter Soldier's arm that he didn't even know was a thing. It was so powerful in many different ways. I had a great time. I agree that was badass. And honestly, um, the Walker stuff in this episode was really good. And I feel like this was sort of his episode, putting him in a spot where he needs to be to be sort of the villain for the rest of the series. Well, let me throw something out at you guys that in all honesty confused me. And maybe there is a straightforward explanation here. But I think to the point Justin was saying earlier, there's a lot of back and forth. And this is what I'm getting at not to harp on it too much with the structural thing, because I agree with you. There are fun sequences in here. There are things that I am enjoying. I am a Marvel fan. I am a sucker for this my entire life. So I'm never going to stop watching this forever. That's fine. <laughs> that out of the way. No, it's true, though. <laughs> I feel like I need to defend sir. myself from Pete, who is like, how dare you? How dare you in kind of enjoy, but not particularly love this thing? You know, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, Thor the Dark World is not a good movie. I've still watched it several <laughs> times. <laughs> you know? That's the, the ultimate kind of cred. Ground rules there. That's the ultimate cred you can drop. It's like, hey, bro, I've seen Thor the Dark World more than once. So I, I get darkness. Uh, oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, yeah. 
I, my point being like, I am a sucker for this stuff and it's fine. I'm not going to give up even if I don't think it necessarily makes sense. But the, and I honestly want to know if there's an explanation here because I was very confused by what was going on towards the end of the episode where Carly came out and said, okay, our plan is we're going to kill Captain America. Right. And the flag smashers were like, eh, that seems like maybe a little bit of a step too far, but it seemed like by the point they got to that big fight where everybody going nuts towards the end, that they were on board with it, at least in a certain sense. Then add in that Falcon and Bucky come to talk to Carly in full costume. Sharon is clearly tracking John Walker for them. So they no. must realize on some level that the Flag Smashers are going for John Walker, not for them, I think, though that was never clearly established. So they go after John Walker. We end up in this fight. Carly comes out, kills Battlestar, which is a whole separate thing that we definitely need to talk about here because that's messed up. And then everybody who is on board with the plan to kill Captain America is like, whoa, you killed Battlestar? That's a step too far and runs away. What's going on there? All right. All right. There's a lot to unpack there. There um, is. This is true. But I think Carly. Explain it to me, Pete. Okay, so Carly didn't know that the sidekick wasn't powered up. She thought she was in like a superpower kind of like fight. And they're all like, okay, we're going to follow Carly, but this is kind of things are getting crazy right now. And I think once they see a normal person die that's like them and who they're fighting for, they all kind of stop and question their shit. And like, yeah, I can see what you're trying to say, but when you see uh, when you see that, it does kind of be like, whoa, whose side are we on? Because they had a lot of discussions leading up to this, and we people were kind of backing away from Carly as the kind of show was uh, this episode was going on because she was talking about like, oh, she did kill that person, oh, she has gone too far, or maybe these ideas. So like. I think that's why that moment kind of stopped people. And I can understand that wasn't the original objective, but like when they saw that, that's why there was that pause. Well, I think two things were happening there uh, to echo what Pete's saying. Like there's the conversation that Sam has with Carly about supremacy. Yeah, and that was she crazy. Sort of, she sort of steps into like True. saying some pretty supremacist things. And then she's like, actually catches herself. Actually, I'm not. And then in that moment when she maybe act, like violently, strikes Battlestar and ends up maybe accidentally killing him, that's her supremacy. She was not aware of what she's wielding and she kills a person. And I think that's when everyone was like, uh. Like, like a lot of, I think, political violence, terrorism, when you're doing it from a distance, like they did in the last episode and killed those people remotely, it's one thing. It feels like you're supporting your cause. When you're in the room and the, your compatriot, your leader kills someone, it's like, I don't want this. I didn't sign up for this. And I think mm -hmm. that's, I actually like that moment because I thought it really, it showed, it used the gray area of the Flag Smashers as like, uh, we feel weird now. But then they, then Captain America at the end, Walker kills one of their own. And you see the escalation happening here. And you see they're going to be hardened. When they were sort of soft and sort of regretting their violence for a second there, Instantly, they're hardened by what he violence begets violence, and Walker escalates that. Um, yeah. So I, I appreciate that moment. The other Walker stuff and like all the tracking, what you're doing, I agree is a little confusing. I think Bucky and uh, and Sam were tracking Walker because they knew he was going to be a problem to them, mm -hmm. not because they thought he was a bad guy. It was just more like he's the cop who's watching us. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and, and I he get spoiled that. It just one seemed intervention like... already, so they kind of wanted. 
But oh, for I, sure, Go ahead. I do want to. We're, we're talking about something. I want to back up the truck a little bit. He, uh, Falcon calls Sharon, and Sharon's like, "Yeah, I got a couple satellites under." Yeah. Sharon is. I don't know who they think Sharon is, but I cannot wait for the reveal of who Sharon is because she is running shit and like knows a lot, a little bit too much for maybe what's going on. So I'm excited to see like a real Sharon reveal. Got that sat flex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think this, this episode was the king of small moments and I want to go back to the beginning. Like the, the, like seeing the winter soldier cry when he's like being said those words aloud was like really powerful and very, yeah. very cool. And I like, was right. mostly surprised that when he cried, his tear didn't turn to ice because of his ice powers. He's, the, he's winter the winter soldier, soldier, right? Yeah. That's not a funny. So he joke. has ice powers. Yeah. When, that's um, not, when Disney funny. bought Marvel, I think he became Elsa from frozen's mm-hmm. brother. I but yeah. also like he, you know, he we wants got to, us to let it go. Yeah, we we also saw that like he speaks Wakanda. Like I, I was so excited to get the Dora Milaje uh, and uh, Dora Milaje and like uh, see Wakanda and hear the music. It was really really fantastic to kind of have those like uh, really just kind of small amazing moments. Very happy about. It. It, it was very nice. I, I did want to jump back to two things that you were talking about earlier. One, I wanted to talk about Sharon Carter. I know I threw out a speculation or just a, a thought about, is she the power broker the last episode? This episode, they keep doubling down on the power broker is upset without bringing the power broker on screen. So obviously that's going to send theory mind into overtime. Uh, it's entirely possible. It could just be a guy named the power broker the way the show is going, but it feels like that has to be somebody, right? It has to be at this point. Like the yeah. way they, especially this episode, the buildup of like, Oh, power, got an email from the power broker. It's like too much hype to, uh, and the, the email from like that Carly got from the power broker is like, Hey, I was serious about my last email. So like, <laughs> please give me back the serum. So it's yeah. like, they're clearly keeping that going. Cause they're going to reveal it. Would, do we have any guests? Or guests? Well, I just guesses? wanted to mention uh, that he definitely has read receipts on his emails, right? Yo, like that, a, that's a power. Broker I know. Right I know you read this. Just please uh, <laughs> respond. Even if it's just a note, just a quick note is all I want. Just to know that you got it. Please. Confirm. So I want to throw a theory out to you that I don't know. It necessarily makes sense. And I don't know where this rumor started from, but everybody seems very convinced that William Hurt's Thunderbolt Ross is in this show somehow. I don't know if somebody saw him on set or something like that. Here's my thought. And this is putting together a bunch of random things. But what if the power broker is Thunderbolt Ross, right? Yeah. Sharon is working for him. She was not excommunicated at all. She, in fact, is double agenting it up for the U.S. government at this point, working for Thunderbolt as the power broker. And we end with some sort of reveal here where they capture Zemo, make him work for them, and they have a whole flip of the Thunderbolts thing where they're good guys pretending to be bad guys. I mean, that would be cool. That feels a little wild to go yeah, to yeah. go that way. Um, we have like it, it feels like two need, episodes left. We need one more. Yeah, we need one more setup moment. So, and another show or a movie to get to Thunderbolts. I feel like. Um, I mean, I. What about this? I mean, this is like sort of. This feels the most obvious. It's uh, Power Brokers. Uh, Al Pacino is Mephisto. 
<laughs> I mean, that seems possible to me. No, nope. I know there was a rumor that Kevin Feige had a meeting with Al Pacino. So saying, and he played red. the devil on uh, Wandavision, I think. Yeah. So. So that's it, and it makes I didn't sense watch to really all tie... the episodes of Wandavision. So I just kind of read the rumors and theories. It makes sense to tie him into every uh, Marvel <laughs> series in a lot of ways. And I hear Al Pacino's playing Loki um, in the Loki show. Um, oh, nice. I, what if it's Nick Fury? Could be Nick Fury. Because I do think that he feels more like a, a, a reveal that fits in this side of the Marvel universe. William Hurt feels a little distant. Right. I, I, I also don't know, other than hardcore Marvel fans who'd be like, oh man, it's William yeah, Hurt. William Hurt. <laughs> I love that guy. But he has really been, hurt. to be fair, and I think this is part of the reason the rumor started, he has been very heavily tied to the super soldier serum throughout the history of the MCU from Incredible Hulk to, well, that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, where is he going with this? From Incredible Hulk nope, to other right William right Hurt out of gas. appearances? Yeah, I, I also think it's entirely possible it is Sharon Carter, you know, and she's yes. just like created this false identity to run shit in Madripoor. Um. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, though, that I do think is important to address is the death of Battlestar and specifically yeah. using the death of a black man to power the arc of a white man is pretty messed up. I agree. I was very surprised when it was when Battlestar right before the scene when he died, they were mm -hmm. doing some things where I was like, oh, this feels like they're setting him up to die. Um, they wouldn't do that. And then when they did, I was I was very surprised. Also, like it really drove me nuts that like when they went into the building, the fake Captain America like stopped at the stairs and just started looking up for some reason while Bellasar was going to sweep the place. You went in to sweep a place. You don't stop and look up at the ceiling and just kind of pause. You're supposed to be a team. You're supposed to work together. You can't just leave your your wingman or you know. I, I was just just was so upset. The, the fact that like he was so dumb and for, for a show that's that feels like they want to talk about race in a in a real way for that for this to happen i gotta think it has to be something they will reckon with going forward mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. because otherwise i don't i don't get it um so i i do want to trust that they are the things they've referenced go in the, the first three episodes leading us up to this make me give me confidence they will reckon with this going forward i hope but so i definitely am, yeah I, i'm putting an asterisk on it to your point yeah. until the next episode to see how they follow up but just on the surface it definitely made me recoil quite a bit and not just because it was a dark moment for the show but because of greater world things so yeah We'll revisit this discussion next episode and see what happens. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things uh, I wanted to throw out. Um, oh. On the same note with the end of the episode, in the comics, John Walker's breaking point was his parents getting killed. He goes apeshit after that. He does the same thing here in this episode leading up to... I, I do think the best image in the entire episode was that last one of John Walker with the blood at the bottom of the shield. Yes. That was really, really well framed and really well done. Yeah, it was so creepy in all the right ways, the way he kind of hung on it. And then also he was just kind of tweaking out there. I was just like, it's very powerful and very upsetting. 
yeah, the, the um, to use Pete's line of like, this was an episode about uh, the king of small moments, I think uh, you said. Um, like that was another, that whole sequence I thought was great. The moment where like you see him bend the gun, I think. And uh, yeah. Sam's like, oh shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's jacked. Like, he's juiced. Uh, yeah, he's juiced up. Um, yeah. And then from that moment onto the last sequence, when you see him raise the shield and that oh, moment when oh, you make you actually get to see stop. and make the choice to kill him yeah, to kill stop the it. black stop. smasher like so that rough. to me i was like oh very smartly done very tense and then to end it with that blood on the shield thing where it's like yes that is and it really reflects on another great moment the line there's never been another steve rogers um and yeah. then this that i thought was very cool and the conversation sort of midway through the episode with battle between battlestar and walker where they were like hey um would you take the serum? Which I yeah, thought that was really cool. And it's like, well, it doesn't turn you, it doesn't make you bad. It just heightens your qualities. And when you, then you hear their conversation, you're like, oh, you don't know that you have these bad qualities that it's going to heighten when you inevitably take it. Yeah, and uh, that's a good question. Would you guys take the serum? Well, actually, I have a question before that question because one of my huge bummers of the episode, even beyond everything we've talked about, is we didn't get to see him take the serum and I want to know how you take the serum. Mm. You know, I like, think it's rectal uh, insertion. I, yeah, wow. I, I was thinking either you drink it or maybe you eat the whole bottle and crunch it. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, it's like a gusher. You just put the whole thing. And <laughs> it, it seems like you would in, inject it. It seems like you would inject it. Yeah, no, but think, it didn't have like an ejecting thing. Was it just a bottle of serum? And I guess you have to yeah. use a separate hypodermic. Yeah, it comes with doctor. The, so yeah, it comes with a turkey baster, and you just um, blast it into your um, your <laughs> in your what? I'm sorry, butthole. your butthole. No, that's not how, yeah, that's not just how like fruit gushers. Exactly, oh. <laughs> just like fruit gushers. Yeah, you guys get the anal gushers, right? But regardless <laughs> of how you take it, how would you guys take it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no hesitation. I know no the, that's the wrong answer, answer yeah. but why, yeah. if you had a chance to take a super soldier serum that would make you super strong and extend your life, why would you not take it? Oh, my God. You would be so evil and so <laughs> fucked up immediately. It would just about, be... It would just make I, me more of me. Whatever yeah, that I is. would uh, run. <laughs> I would just run away if I saw you trap. taking the serum. Super podcast. It wouldn't be a super soldier serum. It would be a super podcaster serum. Yeah. Wow, that guy's been talking for 24 hours. <laughs> Yeah, I I can podcast this all day. Oh boy, um, oh, Pete, why boy. would you take it? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I really? mean, yeah, I really. I think there, and that's the thing. Like even Zemo paused. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how like crazy of a uh, question it is. And I appreciate the fact that like I don't think I could have made that decision right then. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if I would have jumped on one of the vials and just immediately drank it. Uh, but like, yeah, that, that it's. I like how they're playing with the power of it a little bit. Justin, you didn't answer the question. I I just took it. I just oh, I just, oh you just took it. yeah. You guys talking about it? I was like, well, I've been holding on to this for a while. And I guess uh, the second good. second big, biggest question is, um, do you call your like parents anything kind of uh, cute and adorable, like TT? Like, do you have a, a gam gam or anything like that in your family? I uh, never did um, growing up, but now my mom insists that um, her grandchildren call her Mima. Aww. And I always say Mima. And she's like, it's not Mima, it's <laughs> Mima. And I'm like, okay, it's a child's <laughs> word. Don't tell me how to say it. It's not like it's your name. 
Uh, one last little Easter egg thing that I wanted to mention that is definitely not an Easter egg, but it perked up my ears nonetheless, is when they were talking about the Global Reparations Council and yeah. they were passing this act. GCR. They, the GCR. They called it, no, GRC? GRC. GRC. Uh, they called it the Patch Act. And given that we have Madripoor and Wolverine's code name and Madripoor was Patch, I was like, oh, it's definitely named after his, him. And then I paused for a second. I was like, no, it is too early in the morning. I'm, I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. Kevin Feige sitting in the uh, the master headquarters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's like, how should we introduce Wolverine? Like, um, let's do it as the name of an act uh, in a small scene in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, uh, good stuff. Any other final thoughts before we start to wrap this up here, Pete? Uh, yeah, I just um, I can't say enough about uh, how crazy kind of things escalated in this episode and how interesting the addition to the Dora Milaje uh, was was such a fun escalation in all the right ways. Um, and I, yeah, I just, uh, I thought that was just so great and I, and I can't get enough of it and I'm hoping for more, but I don't know if we'll get more. Um, I, I guess just two things. I did like the joke um, on, about Zemo, do the stupid head tilt thing. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, that was funny. a fun that fun was call out. another and king I, of the small moments right king there. King of the small moments. And I do think, was that like a straight up brule dig about mm-hmm. his acting choice? as opposed Because that wasn't about the character. That was about literally <laughs> how he does it, which I thought was very funny. But second, like, I, I like the jokes in this show. They're funny, but it feels tonally odd. And it really made me think this series is sort of not the same tone as the Marvel movies at all. As much as everyone's like, it's like a Marvel movie, but it's, uh, in TV form. I'm like, it's actually not. It's quite different. It's like an espionage it's TV series and well, just featuring Marvel characters. This gets yeah. to a, a bigger thing that is very rumory, and I don't know how true it is, but there was a lot of talk from folks that apparently they reshot a bunch of the show and reworked and rejiggered it. And there are points... Uh, in this episode in particular, I think, and maybe the last episode where you can kind of see they overdub certain things. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it, I don't know exactly what the changes are, but um, certainly things like, hey, where's that Joaquin guy who was sort of <laughs> very important in the first episode? I think yeah. he's somebody that was injected in there. He was apparently cast very late in the process. He was injected in there to give a little more exposition. It's possible that the deferring tones of what's going on that you're bringing up, Justin might be part of that as well, that it wasn't quite as consistent as they thought it might be. Um, Again, I don't know what the changes are, but certainly I think that might point to a couple of those things. And I don't mean that the tone within this, I haven't felt off put by the internal tone of the show. I was just struck in this episode by how different this episode feels in comparison to almost everything else from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Even WandaVision felt more like the movies than this does. But they did have like some, you know, like action movie fun where like Bucky uh, punches somebody through a wall and then goes like, stay put. You know, like there was still some tonal like, fun moments but i agree with what you're saying like it definitely is different and uh i one more kind of small moment that i wanted to point out uh when zemo's talking about this kind of place that they're in where, where they have like the kids before he gives the kids the candy and somebody crosses behind them and the winter soldier like feels it and like turns to like I, and it's just like just a small character moment where Cal, uh, falcon doesn't like pick up on it but uh, Bucky does, and I was just like, oh, wow, that is such a cool little thing. 
Yes. Been trained for like 88 years or something. There you go. Before we wrap up here, what is on your vision board for the next episode? Pete, what's on your vision board? Well, I'm hoping to get to like the bottom of the real issues. You know what I mean? Like what other family members, uh, you know, on the Avengers use different, you know, kind of like nicknames for their families. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do anybody do like Huge. a goppers and poppers type of situation? Yeah, I got or you. Goppers just, poppers. You know what I mean? So like, uh, but I, I really think Gosh. that like uh, Turkish delight is gotta be a bigger thing i mean you can't just do an ad for turkish delight and not really have it pay off so in the next couple of issues um or uh not issues but uh, episodes i can't wait to see that kind of pay off more great great vision board justin what about you <laughs> yeah so true <laughs> um i want to based on that last um image of the blood on the shield like in the next episode i want to see that shield in sam's hand or bucky's hand or hopefully ideally both um, cause I like think they're holding hands together and they're each. Yeah, well, they're <laughs> <laughs> trying to be like, Oh, block over here. You throw uh, it. They're doing like, that thing where they're both in one shirt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stuck if, on you style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope that uh, also in the next episode, like fake cap is, you know, out of the picture or dead or it's definitely something. not going to happen. No, I like him episodes. as the, the final, final villain, but I want, um, that we've set up the anticipation has been building about like who should have the shield. It feels like Sam's shield, but I'm curious to see how that will play out. And maybe next episode, it's like Bucky's turn to have the shield for a moment, what he does with it. Cause I think that is the statement. That's the metaphor of this series and to stick, get to see it in each of their hands. If we're going to end up with it in Sam's hand at the end of the series, I want to see it in Bucky's hand and what it means for him to have the legacy because the scene in in Wakanda in this episode was about him moving past his dark past. And so what, when he holds the shield, what does he become? What does he become going forward? And then in the end of the series, what does Sam become if he has the shield and he's not going to put it back on the shelf. I don't think who is he as Falcon as captain America with wings. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of petered out there a little bit. That's a horrible way to say that. Sorry. Uh, on my vision board, uh, we already covered this, but I just want to see some sort of reckoning and explanation of what happened with Battlestar. I do think that's very important for contextualizing yes. that moment. I hope they do it. We will cross our fingers and see. Yeah. And folks, wait, yes, wait. it was just yes. real nice to see someone step on the shield and do that move again. I'd missed that move. So it was really great to get that move back and work on it forever. Great. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Uh, Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you. Whoops, friends. (laughs) Uh, Oh, do the stupid head tilt thing. (laughs) 